Welcome back to the Joe Jatorium. You know who it is. It's Adam. It's Matt. We're decaying with the boys, and we are as nostalgic as Mick Foley's tooth from 1998. Now, we've made some friends while doing this whole podcast thing, and Adam made some friends over at Bangin' Beers podcast. Bangin' Beers breaks down some of the most hyped beers to ensure you're not getting lost in the branding and only, get, only getting the suds that will satisfy your palate. The Banging Beers crew has well over 100 episodes for your ears and just as many, if not more, breakdowns of beers you need in your life right now. You can find out what's happening in the Banging Beers podcast by checking them out at Banging Beers podcast on Instagram with episodes streaming on all major platforms. Don't forget to grab some of their merch on Tee Public and Big Cartel. Tell them the boys sent you. So, Adam, how you doing, man? Doing good, dude. How you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I don't, we don't normally do this. We're from our respective Casa de Bashline, Casa de Anderson, respectfully. But as people are here in this episode, I am in beautiful North Carolina having the time of my life. So I wanted everyone to still have something to have with their cup of coffee in the morning on a Sunday. So thanks for taking your time and doing this episode with me so we can still get people what they want. Absolutely. And everybody, don't worry. I am still nursing a hangover right here in Pennsylvania as you're listening to this. <laughs> so we're going to be able to go through some cool stuff whenever we have to do one of these, what we call a can episode. So we have some cool stuff lined up for this episode and we're going to go through those things. But first, before we do that, you know, we're all about the beer. So Adam, what do you have for round one? Yeah, man. So I went out of state for my first beer. Actually, both of my beers will be out of state. Uh, this is the Shadowed Mistress from Zaftig Brewing in Worthington, Ohio. Um, so it's just north of Columbus. Um, and Zaftig was a great, cool little brewery uh, in the shadow of the Budweiser plant up there in uh, Columbus. Um, just a real surprise. It was the first place we went. And as far as dark beers, this is a strong ale. So it's a darker, uh, just beastie beer eight percent um they made some really good dark beers they made really good everything but dark beers were awesome this one's um got a nice sweetness to it almost like a plum flavor and then it finishes kind of like a dark molasses to me um but wonderful all the way around and they are dog friendly in their tap room so bonus that makes it all better dude you got a real rib sticker for the first round there yeah, yeah. I'm uh I think I'm taking it I'm at least going easier on flavor in round two. I don't know about the ABV of my second beer, but we'll find out. I will I'm definitely elevating from round one to round two, but my round one beer, I stayed right here in the good old state of Pennsylvania and went up to our homies up at Recon Brewing and got their BRC India Pale Ale. So this bad boy is dry hopped with mosaic and citra. And it is coming in at a delicious, I believe, yep, 7%. Uh, so Recon Brewing is all about nostalgia. So they have a little thing on the side of the can here, which I think is really cool. Um, so uh, Bantam won the, won the bid and delivered a prototype in only 49 days, calling it the Bantam uh, Reconnaissance Car or BR, VRC. In total, Bantam produced uh, over 2,500 Jeeps for World War II. As in the summer... As in that summer of 1940, today here at Recon, the BRC is the one that started it all. So up in Butler, they're pressing Jeeps for World War II, and Recon decided to pay homage to that. So 
this uh this bad boy is coming in with a lot of flavor at a decent uh abv i love this thing i know it says dry hopped with uh mosaic and citrus but it actually has a lot of uh maltiness to it i really enjoy it um it's kind of crispy you can see there's there's still it looks kind of malty it's got a little bit of crispness to it though uh the hops play well uh packed full of flavor and adam i definitely saved you a can so i'll make sure i bring it to you buddy nice that looks uh looks very caramely so yeah definitely got some malt to it it really is it kind of kind of teases you because you see mosaic and citra and you're thinking hmm it's gonna be kind of juicy it's gonna be kind of hazy and then out of nowhere you get a little bit of a malt bomb nice hops on the back super soft i like it man so we got our beers lined up and now it's time for us to move into what we're going to cover today so since we're playing with nostalgia throughout the entire episode I was hoping that we could go back and look at one of the best, arguably one of the best pay-per-views from the Attitude Era in the WWF. Because it's not, no, it was WWE back then, wasn't it too? Or was it, no? Uh, I think it was still WWF. I think it was still the yeah. F. I don't, I don't so think we still luck out, out with that. <laughs> so the King of the Ring in 1998 is known for some very iconic matches. Um, and I can tell you that it, I always thought that this was a longer card and I find out that after watching it, it's only like two and a half hours long. Uh, Cause now I'm used to seeing some of these cards going for over three hours, but I can say before we get into it, break this card down, they packed this card front to back with action Big names, good mid-card matches, and the semifinals and the finals of the King of the Ring were here, as well as the iconic Undertaker, Mankind, Hell in a Cell match that really launched how just completely devious that thing is. So, Adam, are you ready to go down memory lane and check out King of the Ring 1998? I am, and I'm not sure if this is one of the best pay-per-views, but definitely the best pay-per-view coming out of Pittsburgh. Much like Adam is alluding to, it came from MF in Pittsburgh. The Igloo held this wonderful pay-per-view, which came to be heralded, as I said, one of the best pay-per-views of all time, not only from the Attitude Era, but most notably from Pittsburgh. And if you haven't been to the Igloo before it got demolished, uh, I mean, it was a barn and it was made to be intense. So <laughs> having something from the Attitude Era there only made sense. And that thing so, was loaded with fans for this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just shoulder to shoulder and they kicked it off the right way uh, with a team we usually make fun of on a pretty consistent basis the headbangers came out with Taka Mishinuku uh, they took on uh, Kai and Tai which was uh, Funaki men's toy and uh, Dick Tonga Togo Dick Togo I almost said Tongo but Dick Togo uh, Dick to go Dick yeah Dick to go if you look at it it's T-O-G-O <laughs> so it could be Dick to go so when you look at this match, uh, going back to seeing what these guys were like, the Headbangers, Takamishinuku, and Kai and Tai were all pretty much mid-carters. I mean, you didn't see much in the way of them getting uh, more into the championship level. I think Taka was probably the most notable one out of here because this is he perfected the Mishinuku driver, of course, going after his last name. But if you remember, Kai and Tai had that, um, that storyline with Val Venus. I chop your... <laughs> yes so uh some of the notes i had here one of the, one of the first things i noticed where it was um 
that Taka had some really great high flying in this match and the headbangers and Taka worked really well together as a trio. They really worked off of each other in this match. A lot of great pace and good chemistry. I agree. Uh, um, yeah. I have uh, my favorite thing from the rip was uh, Dick to go was rocking an Iron Maiden t-shirt. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he like immediately hit this baseball slide to head scissors from the inside of the ring to the outside. And it was really cool. Really well done. Oh yeah. Uh, and then the also kind of bled into then, you know, kind of, you could definitely tell these guys had spent a lot of time together because some of their, some of their uh, combo moves working off each other, very well thought out, very well structured. You could definitely see that all the while they're mid carters. You can definitely tell that these guys worked this match out before they came out. They only had eight minutes and they got done in six minutes and 44 seconds in this match. But I don't think at any point in this time, there was a slowdown with that many men identifies mid carters in this match no and they were really good i remember seeing them for the first time in ecw as kai and tai it was like five members kind of like an nwo japan um division or knockoff i don't know what you'd consider them but they were really good in ecw in like three versus three matches like this um so i was i was pleasantly surprised to see how fluid they still were in wwf like wwf didn't mute them at all um right they seem to be like full fast pace and great triple team moves and awesome just a, a really good match except for thrasher i thought he looked uh, about as smooth as gravel he's pretty clunky yeah yeah but you could tell too they did a really good job of kind of limiting his action he, he was more of like uh the big guy using smaller guys to platform so there was that um that mashup move real quick where he basically threw Taka onto, I believe it was, uh, I think it was Dick to go through just I, a nice, I think you're right. Yeah. Like a nice, uh, not insiguri. It was more like, uh, it was like a flapjack. Yeah. Like a two minute yeah. Flapjack. And then Taka splashed on him. Yeah. It was wonderful. And also too, I have to say it, the mission nuker driver was absolute perfection for the win. I mean, of course you have to have Taka hit it. Um, so right after this match, Sable came out after, you know, the headbangers, everything. And, um, one of the drops I heard here from Jr. was, uh, there, uh, that she was a bombshell and that people would marry their dog to be a part of her family. Uh, I forgot this is back in 98 when shit could fly in a different way. (laughs) Right. And we'll, we'll touch on that more as we go through here, but, uh, Sable got, so, she got interrupted by Vince McMahon and the Stooges. So Pat Patterson and Briscoe came out. And when they came down, Sable's still in the ring. And Pat Patterson gave her a unceremonious smack on the butt. And she unloaded on Pat Patterson. He ate one hard, man. Which was which was my second favorite JR quote of the night when he said, Wow, that's unfamiliar territory for Pat, which is just Pat was like the in the closet first in the closet gay wrestler that yes. was widely known behind the scenes but jr just kind of like he wasn't out of the closet at that time so jr just kind of you know getting that little one-liner in there um i thought it was funny then you kind of get to watch vince before like because now we know him he's very behind the scenes now i mean he's ruining the wwe from the back and he tried to ruin it from the front uh when he was in the attitude era but 
man, he came out and he roasted Pittsburgh. He had a really great heel promo. He was selling himself at that point. Great on the microphone. Good job by Vince McMahon here. Yeah, and you can tell how early it was into that Mr. McMahon character because he did not even have entrance music yet. No Chance yeah. in Hell was not playing yet. So I think it was a few more months before he got the uh, the music. I think the whole family got music at the same time because then Shane McMahon had his break out your money. Like, uh, yeah, all that shit. Uh, so we go into the first semifinal match, the King of the Ring here, and it's uh, Ken Shamrock defeating Jeff Jarrett by submission. And I have to say... <laughs> The first sign you see when Double J comes down is a guy's holding a sign says Double J, ain't he gay? And, and I, I even wrote here in my notes like shit was different in '98. Eh? Well, speaking of signs, when Sable came out, there was a huge sign in the front row that said Sable 469 instead of 420. And I was like, oh yeah, I thought the same exact thing. I was like, well, you don't see that shit anymore. No, you wouldn't. Like you, I think now when you go into these places, you have to show them your sign when you're coming in. Before they would just like, as long as it was rolled up and wasn't heavy, they would just let you go in with it. So there was all kinds I'll, of reckless shit. I'll let you know after rampage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So I also said here that Double J had some of the worst ring gear I could remember. Uh, he was wearing that like kind of a shirt not a shirt maybe a tank top thing with the three pieces of like latex going across the front the two in the back it, yeah it looked yeah it looked like he was wearing lingerie very similar to what he wore when he returned in the royal rumble a few years back but yes his his body didn't quite look the same it looked like he had a couple more country biscuits under his yeah. belt uh, a few years ago but I, I would say he was in great shape and then you had um ken shamrock wearing the same fucking ring gear since 1980 uh, he fought in UFC with that. He came out to like he even now he's like, uh, like what sixty seven years old or some shit like that, still wrestling, and he wears the same ring gear. Yep, still has, still has a great six pack though. Coming in older than Methuselah. Yeah, that freaking GHB man. Yeah, just keeps you going. Uh, so this was this was really a match where Shamrock brutalized Jeff Jarrett. I didn't really see a lot of offense here from Jeff Jeff Jarrett. Um. I did. Uh, I put in here though that he was sweating like Jimmy Swagger at deposition. It's another <laughs> drop from Jr. Uh, just Jr. killed it for me with the commentary. This is why, and that's Jr. is best. So people are like in AEW, like he's saying such inappropriate stuff. I'm like just go back to these and listen to this crap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He toned it down and, quite a bit. Yeah, he's not quite trying to piss off everybody at the same time. So, and of course, the submission came in when uh, Ken Shamrock Lake locked in the ankle lock and Double J tapped out super quick. Uh, Ken Shamrock at this point in his career was a beast. He was a top card guy. Um, he was most dangerous man. Is that what he was prompted as? I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, whatever they whatever like, they call Brock Lesnar now. <laughs> yes, yeah. Whenever he handed it over to Brock Lesnar, that's exactly the same name. So again. Another match full of action uh, came in at five minutes and 29 seconds. I mean, it, I just yeah, remember these matches being so much longer. And I mean, for being a King of the Ring pay-per-view, the King of the Ring was real downplayed this year. I think this was the lowest played out of all the King of the Rings. Um, they just did the semifinals and the finals. So since this was a semifinals match, one of these guys had to come back later in the night, which is why I think they kept it so short. Um, yeah. just so Ken, Ken wouldn't blow himself all the way up. Cause he already looked like you said, sweaty as hell. So yeah, he was um, gassed. 
Yeah. Go get them on an oxygen machine for round two. <laughs> get him on a bike on low res and put an oxygen mask on because he's got to come back out and get his ass whooped around a little bit. I'm actually uh, kind of surprised they didn't throw him in the first match on the card. And that's what I, I always remember the King of the Ring matches. Usually you have one of the semifinal matches at front loaded, which right. I think this was this was them the the two the co-head headlining main events here that was their their focus i almost think they were salivating to get those two matches on and king of the ring is like hey i know it's your pay-per-view but take a back seat so the superstar line was still a thing as well they were prompting <laughs> uh you could call in at this point you could talk to i think it was the rock you could talk to the rock think, at that point yeah. I think it was The Rock, and I think on the other line it was Ken Shamrock. So it was the two winners of the two previous matches. Yeah, because Ken Shamrock's mic work was something to be held uh, so, so in such revere. So you definitely wanted to call into the superstar line, have him yell aimlessly into the receiver. <laughs> Just heavy breathing right into the receiver. Uh, one big, one big great spot here for Al Snow. He had a really nice uh, sunset flip over power bomb. Uh, about three quarters into the match. It was really, really good. Um, people forgot that Snow was actually a legitimate wrestler. Everyone puts him in ECW with all the weapons that he was known to use and also head because he always had that with him, the mannequin's head, and he would right. just hit everybody with it. But you know, Snow was, Snow was actually a really great technical wrestler, and he put on a good display here. Um, and you always kept thinking, like, is head ever going to get tagged in? And he did at one point tag head in and made him legal um big mistake uh, yeah big mistake because of course it leads to the inevitable double cross by Lawler which then seals uh at the time seals Al Snow's fate for employment with the heralded WWF yeah after Brian Christopher screwed a bottle of head and shoulders to the mannequin head and pinned the head and shoulders bottle to the ground so technically they win so you mentioned the uh sunset power flip power bomb my favorite yes. spot of the match from al snow was it was before that i believe they were brawling on the outside and he went all the way back up the entrance ramp and then full sprinted all the way down to brian christopher flipping out going no 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 and just hit him with the clothesline at like four miles an hour yeah because <laughs> he was like, winded this dead sprints you can see him like losing lung capacity he's like oh i still yes. gotta hit him fuck <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And it's, uh, it, it makes you really miss Al Snow, um, especially for what he brought to the ring. He was like as serious as a comedic wrestler could get and still be considered like a title contender. Because I think he like he held the ECW title at one point while in the WWF and they bought ECW out, which that was a cool. I mean, that's cool for him. Yeah. Al Snow was integral to ECW. So it was always good to see him get some kind of spotlight he was one of my favorite wrestlers back in the attitude era as well and on ecw i love ecw um so a match that almost brought a tear to my eye because i forgot how much i missed this guy uh x-pac with a side card of china took on owen hart the king of hearts you missed x-pac that bad huh (laughs) (laughs) yup i missed him so much oh dude it was you forgot how good Owen Hart was on the mic, how good he was in the ring. Uh, like he's in incredible shape. He's so much bigger than Brett, but he moves so much quicker than Brett. 
honestly, man, when you watch these matches, you can almost make that argument that Owen Hart was better than Brett uh, when it came to in-ring tech, not technique, te- not technical move. Cause I think Brett Hart had more moves in his back pocket, but I think the way that Owen sold his matches and the way he could build up to them was significantly better than Brett's. Yeah. I think it, especially at this point, he was just more entertaining. Um, and he wasn't always bigger than Brett, but definitely at this point he was, he was chunking on the pounds and, uh, was bigger than Brett. Cause Brett, I think was already in WCW at this time. Yeah, this was right after the Montreal screw, screw job, and yeah. yeah, Owen Hart or Bret Hart had gone uh, did the whole uh, paint WCW in the middle of the ring and took off for what he later found out to be not greener grass. Yeah, um, getting mule kicked by Goldberg in the middle of the ring, which is still happening today. By the way, I mean everyone just like at any given time, if you're really good at your job, you know Goldberg's gonna come back and fuck you over. So this match right here, I gotta say this off the top for this match xbox intro was dope as fuck he had so, <laughs> most aggressive music i love it <laughs> it was very aggressive there were a lot of crotch chops in his entrance video like a lot a lot um yes this was this was this came with uh the king's favorite line for me so jr said something about xbox music being good and he uh and king quipped back oh i see you have an ear for music like van gogh <laughs> i I thought was actually pretty good for the king yeah uh but you're right too i think if xbox dick was a tree he would have chopped it down three times over because then he got like (laughs) he like got into the ring too and it's like he could not stop bringing hands to groin it was like bam 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 and then china you know doing her thing where she just looks so stoic she's just standing next to him almost like a disapproving mother just watching him just do all this shit just like we did when we were younger we were all doing the suck it thing yeah, our, just, our moms were like stop doing that please an intimidating statue in the corner <laughs> and she does come into play uh later on here so uh and also too i want to say i totally forgot that own heart was in the nation of domination um i remember when oh, he yeah got brought, yeah when he got brought into that everyone was kind of like you know oh why is he in there that he made a lot of sense because he was like getting screwed over much like a lot of the members of the nation were saying they're being yeah, that's, screwed over. that's the whole i am not a nugget phase of his career <laughs> i'm not a nugget i'm not a nugget yeah oh dude i remember that jesus enough is enough and it's time for a change the uh of course the spanish announcement team table is just a target in this match um it, and it should be i mean they they had that running gag for a while where the spots for any table spots were definitely the Spanish announce table. Oh, um, so they, that, they really get it later. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Xbox, uh, Xbox and Owen Hart put on a really good match here. You saw a lot of technical ability from both sides of it. You kind of forget too how talented Xbox was in the ring. He was wild, but it was like a controlled wild. He kind of felt like I mean he fit in Degeneration X and NWO because he had that like go fuck yourself attitude. But re- in reality, he's able to harness a lot of that and be a strong performer. Um, he's way faster than Owen Hart, but Owen Hart was able to put on that that strength display where some pretty good spots in here. Um, this match, I don't know, I don't really know why I was in the card. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me. I kind of felt like you could have extended um, a couple of the other matches give them a little more time but it would like i said it's always nice to see owen hart in yeah the especially since they were uh, explaining both men were coming back off of injuries uh 
this was X-Pac's first pay-per-view match back after having a pretty bad neck injury. And then Owen, in the build-up to this match, split the back of his head open and got nine staples, I believe, uh, from a chair shot from X-Pac. So, which, if you notice, it is the lightest Bronco Buster I've ever seen, I think, because those staples might have still been in there. It's a strong possibility. Um, Also, too, uh, the Bronco Buster is still the lamest fucking move, I think, (laughs) in all professional wrestling. Especially when all 95 pounds of X-Pac is doing it. Yeah. It's it's like having my four-year-old jump on my stomach. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, So, of course, you got to know if China is hanging around the outside of the ring. She's going to knock someone's cock into their gut, and that's exactly what she did here. She uh, she interfered with Owen Hart doing her thing where drop down, throw the cock, throw the cock shot. And then it just rolls into uh, the the pin for X-Pac here. But what you saw, too, was the beginning of a really cool storyline on the outside of the ring. Uh, So, of course, like saying earlier, Owen Hart being in the Nation of Domination, Mark Henry's also in there. And for some reason, Big Daddy Vader is out there, too they clash and my favorite thing ever (laughs) vader coming down hitting mark henry from behind and then slipping and falling right on his fat ass i have here oh no watch out here comes slippy slop top vader (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what dude it's vader is a botch machine and i know it's nostalgia and everything and everyone remembers from like boy meets world and everything he wasn't that great he really was. He wa- the problem was he was everywhere but WWF. He was unbelievable in Japan, uh, like a freaking monster in WCW. And then he comes into WWF and just botches every match. I don't, I don't know if he just was out of shape or bad luck. I don't know what it was, but good lord, he came down, hit a clothesline, and then knocked himself over. <laughs> what did you call him? What did you put in your notes? Old- i said he's a slippy slop top (laughs) (laughs) it's so befitting that's like yeah oh my god but i will say the match between mark henry and vader that took place uh i want to say it was a week or two after this card was actually really good i'm gonna Uh, look it up because i doubt it it was like a five minute match and you actually got to see these guys trade suplexes which oh okay that's better than i thought it would be it's pretty cool if you don't know who Mark Henry and Vader are, two gigantic men. And to see two guys of that magnitude uh, trade suplexes was pretty cool. So you go on to my favorite tag team ever, ever. Yeah. <laughs> the road dog, Jesse James. Fucking the badass Billy Gunn. The New Age Outlaws with Sidecart China taking on the Midnight Express with Bodacious Bart and Bombastic Bob with Jim Cornette as their sidecart. This is for the uh, WWF Tag Team Championship. So um, before this... Lots of China. Back-to-back China. Lots of China. Before this happened, uh, I should say Paul Bear put on a promo before this match came on. And uh, he... Paul Bear everyone remembers him as just the guy who was walking the undertaker down his ability to string together storylines and progress things uh is something that's not spoken about very often and i just gotta say right now before we go into this match that paul bear deserves way more credit 
for his promo work because he cut a fantastic vignette and it really set up that match that uh between austin and kane i thought it was fantastic yeah you i mean you can give him you give him credit for a lot i think a lot of people relate him with just the undertaker but he brought in mankind and kane uh spectacularly especially when kane didn't talk until the build-up for this king of the ring card and he was still doing the little uh throat shock mic that ah, i will burn myself alive like <laughs> It was if I so, lose, I will burn myself alive. Oh my god, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> but uh what? yes. Yeah. So I mean Paul Bear had to do all the heavy lifting for this mutant motherfucker. Like <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then Mankind came in looking like a if I called friggin' Vader a sloppy top. I mean, Mankind looked like he just got off his uh shifted Burger King and walked in with a leather mask on, like you're saying Paul Bear King, these- I'm saying Waffle House. <laughs> it's more accurate because of the brown pants. Actually, they, they dropped here, too, that this uh, WWF Tag Team Championship match was a bonus match on the card. Um, yeah. This wasn't something that was happen. Thanks Dude, a lot, Vince. <laughs> stop it. This was a great tag team match. Oh, really? Did, it- you like, did you like Bodacious Bart the most? I did. I really liked it that the NWA guys were out here with Jim Cornette. And Jim Cornette, this is the only time I ever watched Jim Cornette on the outside of the ring where he wasn't good. He just kept screaming, come on, at anybody who was near him. I think at this point he, like, gave up because he didn't even bring his tennis racket out mm-hmm. for this match. He was tennis racketless. His his clothes weren't very loud or boisterous. Like, he used to wear really colorful jackets or pants or ties or whatever he's pretty muted i mean this the the new midnight express tag team was such bullshit they're probably the only thing on the card worse than the new age outlaws you should get on yeah whatever new age outlaws yeah, yeah whatever but bob holly sucked balls until he became hardcore holly i think we <laughs> can both really agree with that. yeah i mean I in ring he that. in ring he was always solid but yeah. just his characters were just they were just shoveling horseshit at him and he had to take it until yeah hardcore holly really got to be a badass at least yeah, I can agree with that. Um, and that's and that was definitely on on display here. This was just a solid match. There was no glitz, there was no glamour, there was nothing that's really um stands out. I mean, everyone kind of had a chance to kind of highlight during this match, but you could see from the energy switches in this match that the new age outlaws were set to win this. They weren't gonna drop the belts to the NWA guys. It wasn't gonna happen. Absolutely not. They definitely featured the Hell in a Cell above the match as it was going on. It was the first time you really got to see the Hell in a Cell, and they made it look very ominous. I mean, now it's painted red, which and it's it doesn't look as look as crazy, but you're looking looks at like it. It's, wh- looks yeah. like it's sponsored by Heinz Ketchup now. It looks like shit now. Yeah, it looks I so cool. hate it. Um, I will say this though: uh, you can definitely, as much as you want to say you don't like them. I get it. The New Age Outlaws had a lot of great chemistry in this match. They're, they were a very fluid tag team, and that was yeah. on display, especially when they were defending their belts. Yeah, because um, I mean, they had the dance steps of the electric slide. It was Road Dog goes in, gets the shit kicked out of him, hot yeah. tag to Billy Gunn, Billy ends it. Yeah, and that's how it always works, and they do it very well. You know what? I, they, I, don't think, I don't even think I dislike the New Age Outlaws as a whole. I think it's just Road Dog. I'll give him a I pass. Could, till the, the next time he comes up, I'm going to freaking feed him to the wolves, though. 
I would love to see him if he's like barking up uh business outside of um Kid Rock's thing down in Nashville. What the hell is that thing called? His restaurant. (laughs) Come on inside for a steak. You can get shit on. (laughs) So on to the match that everybody wanted to see. I don't think people even bought tickets to come in for the other matches. This was it right here. The Undertaker. All my notes. (laughs) (laughs) The Undertaker taking on Mankind in the first and arguably the most brutal Hell in a Cell match to ever be on live television. I just got to say, I remember being a kid and being at my friend's house watching this. I thought this match was an hour long whenever I was watching it as a kid. It was 17 minutes flat. And all the big legendary historic spots happened like one after another after another. So uh, this was incredible because Mankind came came out of the dressing room and started by throwing a chair on top of the cage and climbing on top of it, which I did not remember happening as a kid. So he went straight to the top of the cage. Um, And of course, who the hell isn't going to say, well, that's where I'm going to. So the Undertaker followed and they started the match off on the top of the cage, which the camera angles, that looks terrifying as hell. Which, and also sweet Jesus, could, could one of them ask how the cage was installed on the top of the cell before they went up there? It was you just saw zip ties popping every time they stepped. Yeah. It was so nerve wracking watching it back now. It, yeah. Wa- and you could hear them. You could hear like the boing, boing, yeah, you hear ping. Uh, it, like the steps were, it was like watching someone try to walk on a drop ceiling. Like you would take a yeah. step and your foot would kind of go through a little bit. You could almost see like the excitement in their bodies. Their arms would kind of flail as they were taking steps. But I would say that, um, it, the first chair shot on top of that cage set the tone for how absolutely violent this was about to get. I don't think anybody in attendance or watching from home was ready for what was about to happen, but that chair shot should have been a precursor because it was loud and it was vicious and it was to the head. Something you can't do now. You can only go to the back now. Unless you're in AEW. Unless you're in AEW, then you can. Sometimes. sometimes. For it. Yeah. So Mick Foley is broken in half. By God, he has a family, damn it. And he is about to be, he's placed on a stretcher. And one of the most iconic moments in the history of uh, Mick Foley, mankind, dude, love, whatever you want to call him. Um, he's up the ramp, gets off of the gurney and comes back down to climb back up the cage. Because for Christ's sake, he just wants more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and this is crazy because Undertaker already went down or started down the other side. Uh, so at this point, uh, Mankind has a separated shoulder and he's climbing back up this thing. And Undertaker came into the match with a broken foot with bone spurs in his foot. So he's climbing back up for a second time with an injured foot to get back on top of this uh, unstable structure that we've, we've already seen the zip ties pop off of, pop off of. So just say, you're calling you're calling it unstable. That's very kind of you. <laughs> yeah, dangerous. They work their both of them work their way back up. Uh, both are significantly injured. Mankind, of course, way more than the Undertaker at this point. They're up on top of this highly unstable uh, cage. Uh, yeah, like it, 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 look, it's it's a shack. It's a shack made out of fencing. 
Um, they get close enough together to where they're kind of throwing some punches, trying to figure it out. And that's when it's like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to choke slam you here. You can kind of see the spot came back to their heads. They remembered, oh yeah, this is where I, I choke slam you. And then the second most iconic moment of this match where the mankind goes through the cage and has a dead bump where he yeah. doesn't bounce. He just lands. Yep. Terrifying. No, no bounce to the ring on that bump. And he got choke slammed through a panel of the ceiling of the cage where a chair was sitting, a folding chair. So he gets choke slammed down. He hits the mat first, followed by a steel chair that hits him right in the fucking face. Yes. Which is, I think, where the tooth gets knocked out of his mouth through his lip and up his nose. Yes. Which is, and it, it's which is brutal. And that's exactly the the iconic close-up of Mick Foley where he's smiling he's pushing the tooth up from his nose everyone thought it was a booger and everyone later found yeah. out it was like a, it was one of his teeth he's cut up he's banged up he's yeah injured he, and he, he yeah. you could t- he wasn't really smiling as much as I think his jaw might have been broken a little bit and he yeah. was like shoving his tongue up into the hole in his lip that the tooth just went through like insane and it is that iconic image of him they threw it on t-shirts they threw it on every don't try this at home fucking ad they had it was, yes. it was it's it is the most iconic image of mick foley probably yeah i would say if i had to pick a moment in time where i said that is classic mick foley it is this match right here and his farewell match at ecw when he was cactus jack those two matches right there just really seal who Mick Foley was as a wrestler and how he gave himself to the company every time he was asked to. Um, again, this spot is huge. Um, the Undertaker trying to figure out again how do I continue on with this match? It went like five. Together. It went like it went at least five more minutes after that. At least yeah. maybe ten. Like it was. It's nuts. So yeah. uh, once he gets choke slammed through the cage, King said. That's it, he's dead. And JR exclaims, Damn it, he has a family. Stop the damn match. He's got a family. Damn it, stop the match. But yeah, it continues on. They they brawl on the outside. Uh Taker does a good suicide dive into the into the cell as Mick just like kind of slumps over. But uh huge credit to Undertaker. Mick is clearly out of it, concussed, hurt. Taker lets him give him a pile driver on a steel chair in this state and then that's where they go to the thumbtack spot then there's thumbtacks so mick gets slammed into thumbtacks it's nuts i i I didn't even remember all of that after the choke slam spot i didn't remember any of those other bumps until i rewatched it this week and then it leads up to the undertaker's iconic finisher we covered that too the tombstone pile driver um is on our mount rushmore of finishers uh, the Tombstone Piledriver to seal the victory and take home this iconic match. One of the best matches in the Attitude Era. I said error. I believe that there's a error, lot of error. error ever, ever, there's a lot of errors in the construction of this cage, which led to a lot of significant injuries that these guys dealt with for way too long. Uh, yeah. Mick definitely knocking 10 years off of his general life in this match. And then at the, at the end of the match, he still gets up and walks walks away with with some assistance, but yeah, no stre- He says, "Fuck the stretcher, I'm walking out." 
I like too right now, Matt Cardona is kind of making fun of this and he's saying that he is the hardcore match legend and champion and all this because he took the uh the belt off of Nick Gage at a GCW bout. Um, and that's why those are funny because guys like Mick Foley exist because he does this shit. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Right. Um, that's why it's funny, you marks. Get over it. Uh so all the while. I'm kind of, and this is going to sound kind of weird. I'm glad this wasn't the the overall uh, main event match because I really believe that the main event match here was the one to to send the here. to send the fans home disappointed. Yes, and that's exactly <laughs> what happened because you had that Hell in a Cell match, and you're like, okay, now we got this first blood match for the championship. It's going to be incredible. And then it wasn't. It just wasn't. Wasn't good. I mean, there's no following what we just saw. Like, no. In in a bubble, it was a solid match from the two guys, especially um, Austin coming in hurt um, to this first blood match. He had a, st- a real bad staph infection in his elbow, and was just getting just got out of the hospital like a day or two before this match. So, given that they didn't have a lot of time to plan this or and and he definitely wasn't a hundred percent, but but yeah, on to the main event, which I could I didn't even remember happened until yeah. the beginning of this pay per view. Like when you said King of the Ring ninety eight, I was like, oh yeah, the main event was Taker oh, so. Mankind for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope, you had this very slow and for some reason methodical match between Kane and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, Kane, of course, with his uh, kayfabe father Paul Bearer. Uh, coming out here now of course this is a first blood match and the other stipulation here is had Kane lost he would have had to set himself on fire Uh, (laughs) I set myself on fire so I put in here because both these guys are coming out here and you first and foremost forget how absolutely jacked Austin was and how sleek and lean Kane was because these guys now I mean Austin Do you still... think I'm sexy? Do you like my body? Come on, baby, let me know. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm throwing it. I'm throwing it to to Kane here. Looking great in that bodysuit, man. Um, I did say in here too. He was very Michael Myers esque. Like he definitely had the head movements, the body movements. He was like a like like a 1980s stalker ish slasher it was really cool and you forget how he played that character like a slower moving undertaker so throughout this match you saw these guys kind of trading trading off um kind of brawls in between i mean no big spots were happening here because these guys aren't big spot guys i mean kane has that one top rope move that he uses eventually here but nobody's really doing anything outside of stone cold's luvez press and then you have kane's top top rope move um lots of just brawling back and forth but then you saw the hell in the cell was starting to lower as kane was trying to put on uh austin's face underneath of it and you're and you know as you're like oh it's gonna happen he's gonna squish his head and forget it's it's wrestling so it's not gonna happen it was funny too because like everyone's like oh there's no control for these things but it got so close to austin's head then stopped like whoever's right. up there was like oh wait a minute let me just pull his letter back real quick no, i don't the, want to the garage the garage door sensor hit and it's going back up (laughs) (laughs) so uh, i also put in here too 
I put in is Paul Bear the basis for the used because he had a very quaffy hair thing going on and he looked like the oh that's player. why he said. I was like is it, was it because of the woo no it, well now yes I could definitely say that's another reason for it but he looks exactly like the bass player from the used I so, almost thought he was going to start playing the taste of ink here in a second <laughs> I saw that note and I was like I have no idea what Matt's talking about uh, maybe it's the whaling because it's definitely not heroin use because Paul Bear is real fat. Yeah, unless heroin comes with frosting. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> so as, as that, old fun fent- that old fun fatty fentanyl. <laughs> so mankind eventually makes his way down so he can interfere. Mind you, he just got done getting thrown off the cage through the cage uh, and then suplexed on thumbtacks. He still found a way out to interfere with a steel chair. Uh, And then Undertaker follows him out, too. So even just Taker coming out would have been amazing. But Mankind leading it was like, the fuck? what's wrong with this guy? I thought he just forgot where the exit was and just ran out the entrance (laughs) ramp again. He did a spinal tap and ended up coming out the wrong entrance. <laughs> uh, so, of course, uh, the Undertaker is swinging a chair wildly. Uh, he has his chair. Stone Cold Steve Austin has his chair. They're swinging around. Their chairs meet. They cancel each other out. So, we also have a referee that's getting knocked out in the middle of this match because, of course, at this point, Steve Austin is cut wide the fuck open. Uh, the initial referee, I can't remember who it was, um, but He's out like a light, and Stone, Stone Cold Steve Austin's bleeding like a stuck pig, as good old JR would like to say from time to time. So, um, so good old Earl Hefner uh, Hefner. sees the blood. <laughs> Earl. Earl. <laughs> yeah, Earl. Old, old, old free t shirts in the parking lot. Earl comes out. Yeah. Yes. Sees the blood. He calls for the bell. It was very abrupt. It happened kind of out of nowhere. And and the other thing, too, there's something happened at the very beginning of the match where somehow Stone Cold got his back cut a little bit and he was bleeding yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And they're like, it's got to be a substantial amount of blood. The referee has the discretion to call whether or not that's. <laughs> it, was, it was good thinking on their feet to cover for the, the scratch he got on his back. I mean, it was it was pretty minor. Uh, minor, but, minor, but it. I mean, it's it displayed. I mean, I mean, he was probably it. just he was probably just thin skinned from all the antibiotics from that staff infection. Like, jeez, <laughs> man, the man was beat up. It's like all the antibiotics from that, and also like all the shards from Mick Foley's teeth in the ring that he was rolling around yeah. in probably yeah, cut he, his he, back. <laughs> yeah, he probably did a little rollover on a couple thumbtacks that were left in there. Yeah, just getting hit like yeah. a pain cushion. I mean, that padding on his elbow was insane. It looked like they just cut a volleyball in half and shoved it on his elbow and wrapped it up. It was nuts. Yeah. They were like, hey, you just go to sleep real quick. We're going to duct tape this pillow to your arm. And when you wake up, just see if you can bend it and you'll be good. Uh, so Austin drops the title to Kane. Kane does not have to set himself on fire. But at some point, the Undertaker did try to set a referee on fire. <laughs> so it, someone has to die, I guess. And the Undertaker is trying to make it a guy in stripes. So <laughs> I want the belt. Yippee. I don't have to set myself on fire. Oh, yes. Yes, my boy did it. Yes. Oh, so, Dad, so, can we go to Pizza Hut after this? 
So do you know the fun fact about this title win? I want to know. Do you know how long Kane holds this for? No. 24 hours. Austin wins oh. it back on Raw the next night. <laughs> and Kane doesn't hold it again for years. For That's years. Insane. Yeah. That's insane. Just a little fun fact I looked up in the Wikipedia for this. How devastating is that for Kane? Had to work so yeah. hard to get this match. Oh, real bad. At least he didn't have to set himself on fire. That's true. <laughs> and, That's, that and, was last night's thing. That's not this night's thing. Don't you dare hold that against me. <laughs> <laughs> and great, great planning, Stone Cold, going into a first blood match with a guy that wears a leather mask and a full body suit. Where the <laughs> fuck are you going to cut him, you Texas redneck? So, Adam, we have a, a full card here from 1998 that is nostalgia bomb for us. So, I got to know, after watching this, do you have a match of the night? Uh, yeah. Undertaker, Mick Foley, Hell in the Cell. <laughs> Done. Fantastic. I thought you were going to pick all, the New Age for, Outlaws for all the, the reasons. <laughs> for all the reasons. Mick Foley killing himself for the enjoyment of the people in Pittsburgh. Yes. Way to go. I, I can only agree with that, but I really thought you were going to take the New Age Outlaws versus the Midnight Express, and I'm no, glad you they're did. Com- they're coming up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. If you pick them for worst match of the night, I'll be really upset with you. Well, what's your match of the night, Matt? Let's not talk about it now. Oh, good Lord. Uh, well, I would probably say I'd love to agree with you because that's, I mean, that's hands down the best match uh, out there, but I would really like to say... Um, I was very happy with the um, Xbox Owen Hart match, as weird as that sounds, because it was cool to see Owen Hart back in the ring. More of a nostalgia thing for me. And I thought Get they both the put on. Fuck out of here. I really like both of those guys. They put on a good match, man. I really enjoyed you're it. You're picking it over the Hell in the Cell match? You already picked the Hell in the Cell match. So I didn't oh, okay. want to pick I, it again. Oh, okay. okay no, I, okay. I agree with you. That's the, ma- that's the match of the night. But if we can't pick the same one, I got to pick the one that's then going to be my favorite without that one being in play okay that's fair enough that would be my yeah. second favorite of the night too so that's that's fine who was your wrestler of the card you want me to go first again because i'm probably gonna steal it from you yeah go ahead thousand percent mick foley <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> and i'll let you pick the same because he was the best by a long shot yeah, I mean, I really have to agree with you on this one. I don't even want to try to go through this and figure out another idea here. Mick Foley is hands down the reason why this card is iconic and the reason why I wanted us to go over this one together because he kills it. Are you sure you don't want to take a tourist dressed Terry Funk getting choke slammed out of his shoes with his fanny pack on? You know, I was going to pick him, but I thought you were going to pick him first. So I like, he was kind of out of my brain. So I was like, oh, but no, I'm, I'm going to get Mick Foley. Mick Foley, hands down. I'm not going to try to pick somebody chat. else. Yeah. So, Adam, of course, we have the good, but we also have the bad. So I have to know what is your piss break match of the night? Da-na-na-na. Oh, you didn't know? You son of a bitch. Your ass better call somebody. It's uh, it's actually too much versus Al Snow though, with with Jerry Lawler as the guest referee. That match was just bullshit. I I am so happy you changed your attitude because I've been very upset with you because that was if you would have picked the New Age Outlaws just because you wanted to be spiteful with me, we would have had an issue because you also missed the other one here which was Ken Shamrock and Jeff Jarrett. That match was trash on ice. 
it was Jeff Jarrett getting squashed by Ken Shamrock and Ken Shamrock yelling at him like he was roiding out. See, I kind of like that though. It kind of reminded me of like a like Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> oh, well, it's as close as it could fucking be with those brutal death matches outside and Double J Jeff Jarrett was just getting his ass handed to him. Because because I thought out of those two semifinal matches, the Rock Dan Severn match was worse, but they were both bad. So I I, I agree with you. Yeah, they're, I think they're both bad, but I think I like seeing The Rock so much, especially his heel work leading out to the ring, is that's what kind of saves it for me in comparing the two. That's true. Um, he's the best, Of the you. four people there, he's the best character out of all those four in the ring. Mm. So that's why I would lean towards yeah, that. Right behind, Unless you want to say that Dan... Right behind Double J. Like, uh, right behind <laughs> Double J. With that stupid fucking jumpsuit. So, Adam, thank you for taking this trip down nostalgia lane with me but unfortunately for just right now we gotta throw it to some sponsors because uh we need uh, them to like us and we need you to like them because when you check out their stuff and support them you support us and when you support us we can bring you some cool stuff so we're gonna take a quick break for some ads and we'll be right back on the other side bye i know what you're thinking right now How do I get the downstairs hair care I need to impress my partner? Well, the boys have a little something for you. That's right. You can take your grooming to the next level with the flagship of Smooth My Balls, the Turf Chopper 3.0. This pube-destroying trimmer uses stainless steel ceramic blade with micro-sized teeth to ensure you're covered by no-scrape technology. Yep. No cuts, no nicks, no bumps, no hair pulls, and no mishaps. And when those pubes go a-flying, you can call in the backups, the Pube Muncher 1.0, and Sack Mat to ensure cleanup is a breeze. All these devices can be used in wet or dry conditions, and they're compact for easy travel storage and have fast charging technology. Right now, our listeners can save 15% on their entire order by using our link, smoothmyballs.com slash DWTB. That includes free shipping to the U.S., that's right. So head on over to smoothmyballs.com slash DWTB and tell them the boy sent you. Welcome back. Hopefully you heard something that you like. Because if you do, again, you support them, they support us, and then we bring you cool stuff. So we just went over one of the best cards ever in the Attitude Era. Something that was an easy watch for us um thanks again adam for going down memory lane with me i really appreciate it um but the one thing we need to do here is we need to get back to business and we got to start off the right way by having our round two beer so adam what are you bringing to the game i'm awesome buyer i got something from land grant brewing company it is the adam versus equinaut hazy ipa there's a little rock a- um, sock robots on the can did you get it because your name's in the in the title no, I'm not. You think I'm that self-centered? No way. Probably the best <laughs> IPA ever, though. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a <laughs> it's a, a hazy IPA um, with Equinot, which will give off uh, complex flavors and aromas of tropical fruit, orchard fruit, citrus, and berries. Um, so and they used cryo Equinot in this one along with Mosaic, and wow. I cannot find an ABV on it. Oh, yes, I can. 6.6. So let me give it a sippy. And it's very cloudy. I'm not going to lie. I got this on my trip to Columbus 
about two months back and it's still super hazy. Yeah. I mean, it looks really good. I like the color on that. Oh, super, super fruity. Definitely get that berry taste out of it. Very good. Very good beer. Nice. Just your traditional hazy. I, I did enjoy the land grant uh, tap room. I do not believe I had this one on tap. I think they only had this in cans uh, when we got there. And yeah, there's no way I got it just because my name was on the can. We can all lie to ourselves a little bit here on this podcast, <laughs> Adam. That's fine. I appreciate you bringing complex beers to the show. I brought something that most people are very familiar with. It's one of the uh, the Boss Tweed uh, India Pale Ale Series beers from New Orthodox. So this one is clocking in at 9.3%. So I definitely stepped it up with the ABVs on the second round because we're about to get into some cool stuff here. But this thing is loaded. It's a hazy boy and it comes with a whole family of shit for your palate. So the malt comes in with pills, wheat, oat, Vienna. The boil hops are Magnum, Simcoe, Citra, Mosaic. The dry hop comes with Simcoe, Citra, Mosaic, and Azaka. This thing is loaded. And the, the phrase here, they have the bottom of the can, it's haze is good. And let me tell you, this thing sips smooth, and it's super juicy. It's everything you want in a haze. It really comes in hard. Uh, I like it. Um, but I'll tell you what, though, man, I couldn't have too many of these. This th- this thing is um, I'm already getting a little bit of a heartburn from it. I'm not much for hazies anymore, but it really does. Uh, if you're looking for something to, if you're looking for a hazy and you want one that's going to annihilate you off the rip here, this this uh, one from New Orthodox is, is going to test your palate. Coming in at 68 IBUs, uh, this this thing's kind of it's loaded, man. It's loaded up. Never never heard of that one before. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. It's one of my favorite hazy IPAs. On the I was already right said, this is like so we went. I we went yeah, hazy for round in. two here. Yeah, had to man. You know, wit kind of clean with the first one. I figured this one would get a little dirty, so I'll bring in a dirty boy, bring this haze boy in here. Um, I like too. It gives you like the it gives you like the what do you do about sediment? Don't be worried about it. It gives like what to do when you're dead kind of thing on the side. Drinking like, little bitch. Yeah, turn the can over, put it in your mouth don't be a bitch <laughs> shoot it yeah put it in a syringe shoot it into your veins <laughs> <laughs> i meant i meant shoot it like liquor not shoot it not shoot it like billy gun hey man you stop that right now he only did steroids probably yeah, orally yeah probably Maybe. yeah <laughs> do, do they make steroid suppositories yeah. oh you didn't know <laughs> your ass better call somebody bingo guess that's your answer so we're having some fun here of course because why are we always so serious we all like in this podcast talk about combat sports and craft beer and violence and video games and conflict in Florida and Kenny Omega. And we need to take a moment to laugh just like we are. Remember that not everything should be so goddamn serious. So Adam, I challenge you to the Mount Rushmore of comedy movies. Now 
let's be very clear here. These are not stand-up specials. This is purely comedy-focused movies. So I've already DM'd Judd Apatel, told him to get his coffee ready because we're about to rattle his cage a little bit. So we'll find our top four movies to get your chuckles in so our listeners can try to check them out if they haven't. But we'll do it like we always do. We'll go back and forth. Someone gets first pick and go tit for tat until we can go and whittle it down to the top four. Are you game? Sounds good to me. I have no okay. idea who goes first. So I hope you, I hope you kept track of that. Uh, I think it's. I think it's actually you go first. Sure. I think. Think. I'll take up. it. So with my first choice, I'm I'm kind of pulling uh, you a little bit because it's. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this one aged for everybody. I don't know if it went down in history as a great uh, comedy or not. But for me, I enjoyed it as a as a kid. Probably like the first comedy I saw that I laughed the whole time. Um, and it's Tommy Boy, uh, the, the first Wonderful. starring role of Chris Farley. So, yeah, kind of a, more of a sentimental choice for me because me and my brother and my dad would all watch it and fucking laugh our asses off every weekend pretty much when we were kids. So um, I'm going with that. Because it's probably the it's definitely the comedy I've watched the most. So yeah. I'll stick what with a, that. What a great pick, by the way. You didn't pull with me. That was a great pick. You picked nostalgia yeah. wise, but I think something we're gonna find out here is even in our nostalgia when it comes to comedy movies and horror movies, that we pick some pretty cool stuff. Um, I mean, I did beat the shit out of you when it came to, you know, like video games and all that stuff, you know, but like we're just, we're past that now. But I still need to smash the shit out of you with my first round pick. And I'm going to let you know right now that I'm picking a classic as well. Something that's very quotable. That's been uh, with me. And it's how I test people if they're cool enough to hang out with me at my other job that I have. Uh, If I give you a happy Gilmore quote and you can't respond back to it, then we can't hang out for more than a coffee. So with my first round pick, I'm taking the breakout film from Adam Sandler, Happy Gilmore. Yeah, it's almost as good as my first pick. Good job, man. I think it's better. I think it's better. I think there's more quotable lines in Happy Gilmore than there are in Tommy Boy. Just because it gets played on basic cable more. But Yeah, because it was better, critically acclaimed <laughs> by fans. You no, know, I'm not gonna not lie. Everyone that's it in was that on, movie's dead. It was he motherfucker. <laughs> David Spade is still alive. Oh, what a shame! Wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, Happy Gilmore was definitely on my list. I don't know if it was making my top four. I felt like I would have to sneak it in there if you didn't say it, but I'm glad you said it. Yeah, I love that movie. So I don't have it- to. It's yeah. it's and, and tell and lie to yourself right now and say when you meet someone who you think is kind of young that you throw out there like the go to your home and you see if they answer back to you or not and if they don't right, right. cut them out of your life they're not they're not worth talking to they're not I worth talking do to. agree with that yes so I think we have two strong first round picks so who are you trying to bring into this so I can continue my epic smash Adam twenty twenty one brigade. So you're not fucking beating this one, brother. I am going with a renowned comedy for my second choice and another one I love. 
and that would be the Big Lebowski. Oh. Try to beat it. <laughs> what a pick, dude! That is yeah, freaking hilarious. One of my favorite dudes. I bring up to you all the time. John Goodman is fucking phenomenal. Um, just a great movie. A great cast of just fucking wild characters. Um, got to serve a beer this weekend with well, this past weekend, not to date this, uh, but with 412 named Hefri Lebowski. So it was a really, it was a really great weekend of just quotes from the movie, uh, for everybody that came up. Dude, heavy, yeah. Well, and my, I will say this one of my favorite beers is from Hoppin' Frog, and it's their white Russian, and the whole can just has big Lebowski quotes all over it. Yeah, yeah, dude, great pick. Um, I'm I'm trying to stay in order here, so I don't want to. Th- I don't want you to say think this one's going head to head with the Big Lebowski because the Big Lebowski should have been your number one. It, it if it do, just it would have been. It just doesn't have that nostalgia for me. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, why yes. it was number two as a as a hit for hit funnier movie that still holds up today. I do think Big Lebowski's a more classic comedy, where Tommy Boy's a more physical comedy with yes. some like good one one liners in there. Um, both strong movies, but I do agree on a normal ranking system. Big Lebowski would always be above Tommy boy. Probably. Yes. And we're talking about iconic moments. And I feel that my next pick has some of the most quotable and iconic moments in comedic history. I'm going to go with Caddyshack. Oh, good one. That's not where I thought you were going. Yeah, well, I, I will say if we get down to the bottom of this and I and we don't pick the other one that I want to talk about, I'll say it. But it was a race between these two for my second round pick. But Caddyshack had a, a star-studded cast, top, some of the top in the game for comedy at the time. Uh, very quotable lines, very uh, quotable scenes. And some things are still mocked up today, like the pole scene is always mocked up with somebody coming out in a red bikini. Yeah. I mean, you're... You're talking about, uh, yeah, what, uh, just fantastic, man. Um, it was only missing Rick Moranis. If Rick Moranis could have somehow snuck his way in there somehow, it would have been 100% for me, but he was missing for some reason. Um, so but I, I do just want to point one thing out. You know, this is just top comedies, right? They don't all have to be about golf. Like if Tin Cup's next, I'm, I'm going to write you out of this thing. You know, I didn't even notice I was doing that. But Tin <laughs> Cup was pretty good was not a comedy and it no, sucked it, it sucked oh, it didn't suck tin cup bourbon tin cup whiskey is great the fucking movie sucks except for kevin isn't that kevin cosner that, that, yeah that's kevin cosner yeah yeah it's, and then uh that's the only cheech, good part. cheech marin fuck that movie yeah it was good put every turn your hat to the left put everything in your left pocket take off your left shoe all right now take the shot look you just weren't thinking about it bro okay well i think the reason why i pick a lot of golf movies because golf is supposed to be so serious and then when people take a shit on it it's pretty funny i mean i I can't disagree both of those both of the golf movies you picked so far well let me tell you when we get down to the other one i'm going to tell you what i was going to put in place a caddyshack if you would have taken it so remind me of that when we get to the bottom because it might be my honorable mention you got it uh third round pick or second this is you know it's your third Third, second, third, third. Let's go. What you got? There's so there's so many fucking movies left on my list. Oh wow. no, this is getting tough. Um, 
shit, man. I mean, both for both of your movies, you went with quotability. So yes. For my third pick, I'll go with one of the most quotable movies, in my opinion. And you brought Mr. Judd Apatow up at the oh, you son of a bitch of the segment, and I'm taking super bad. So I save picks for the end thinking like i'm not going to take the newer stuff because you're like oh it's your first round pick it's a new movie was made blah, 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 blah. and that was my fourth that, round. that was my fourth i mean round in pick. the span of in the span of our life it's newer but it is, it is. yeah it's it's going now it was between that and two other movies from that same era which mm-hmm. might make number four i don't know number four is gonna be real tough for me well i'm gonna tell you right now that I also dipped into the Apatow chambers here, up from the 36 chambers of Apatow for my third round pick. Uh, so I'm glad you landed there too, because everyone forgets what it's like uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, because that movie was a laugh fest. You had everybody in that movie from the Apatow camp crushing on all cylinders funny from front to back and actually made russell brand funny so i'm That's, taking for getting sarah marshall a- <laughs> yes it is uh there's um, like just go I'm, be just go I'm, be a sex addict yeah i don't know i'm so surprised by that choice for you it is a really funny movie i'm not taking that away from it but not where i thought you were heading oh my fourth round pick now that i had to put it in a substitute is gonna blow your fucking mind so don't worry i want to throw that one in here so i can go apatow for apatow with you but my fourth round pick, you're going to be in trouble. So I got to know. Unless I take you, it. You won't. No. Ahead. Nope. Does it rhyme with pawn of the head? <laughs> Great pick. And I'm also moving towards horror myself. But no, it yeah, is not. That's not Shaun my pick. That is, that's, real, that's real close to my fourth pick is Shaun of the Dead. And I would love to throw out my honorable mentions at the end to see what you think of them. Yes. Um, so I'm skipping... I'm skipping Shaun of the Dead. Uh, I thought that was totally going to make my final four, but it's not. I'm going back with nostalgia. I'm going to a Christmas movie, sir. And I'm going with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You son the of a best bitch. Of the only good thing Chevy Chase was ever in, in my opinion. No, that's not true. Summer Vacation was good, too. So was your opinion. They were all good. But Christmas Vacation was the best of those fucking movies. And I watch it every year, and it doesn't even have to be December. So, and it's you know it's funny the squirrel jumping out of the tree grandma's cat getting eaten her singing the fucking <laughs> national anthem as santa's getting Shitter's launched full. <laughs> full everything everything about that movie is great and super quotable every holiday time the fucking so, jelly the month club come on man i know you're looking at my face and you think i'm about to argue you but you literally took my fourth round pick. I never thought Woo! you would do it. I was trying to really just like cap this off with a banger of a fourth round pick. And Christmas I thought you vacation. said you were leaning. I thought that? you said you were leaning horror. I thought you said you were going to lean horror. I'm with throwing you off. Oh, okay. Throwing you off. <laughs> so and I took your you third. Did... I took your three and four. You took or my your, three. And I think four. I t- I took your four twice. Because I took Superman. Yeah. Oh, so National Lampoon's was your three. 
Technically yeah. that. Oh man, yeah. you could have really screwed up my fourth pick. Or uh, you would have freed me up to pick something else, but that's yeah. truly number four. Okay. So well, I hope you have some backups written down. Dude, it's kind of tough. I'm kind of digging through my brain of what I had researched and what I like. Cause I will say this, like there, there are tons of movies that I would sit down and watch and be quotable. And I would say uh my honorable mention list is probably funnier than some of the movies that are actually in our Mount Rushmore, but the Mount Rushmore I'm looking at are things that I feel are iconic to us, but also could get other people into comedy. And that's why with my fourth round pick, just to kind of bring it all together. And I am going to go horror with this one. I've made up my mind. I'm going to go Ghostbusters two. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Please say two. please say two. Yes, Ghostbusters 2 was one of the best uh, horror movie comedies that I've ever been able to see. Fantastic from beginning to end. And also, too, Rick Moranis was in it. So yeah, you brought up earlier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I got to know that, man. Who, who are some of your honorable mentions? Because I have, like, some really good ones in my brain. Do you want me to just run from top to bottom real quick? Let me hear what I'll you got. Read them off. I got them listed here. Step Brothers, Shaun of the Dead, Billy Madison, Borat, Wedding Crashers, Office Space, Breakfast Club. I didn't even really know if that was a comedy, but kind of leans comedy. Eh. Little Miss Sunshine, one of the best dark comedies I've ever seen. Mean Girls, This is Spinal Tap, and Best in Show were the rest of my list. So I had a majority of those. I also had some other movies that i watched when i was growing up that made me laugh was how high friday booty call meteor man um oh gosh meteor, was man, meteor was man the one with the was that the one with the wayans brother no, or no that was blank blank man which i was also going to go to that was but meteor man was the guy who absorbs the the asteroid and becomes like a very cheesy uh superhero yeah, who's the actor in that? I remember that. I can't remember his name. It was it was he took he takes on the Golden Lords. He fights yeah. the Golden Lords. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna look at it tomorrow. Fantastic movie. I really I really enjoyed that one. And uh, that's I, you know that's I think that's about it for me. Oh, oh, I forgot. Uh, Goon Goon was one of the newer movies I really liked. I thought it was really funny with Sean. Uh, oh, if you're gonna throw Goon, Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott. That's it. If you're gonna throw Goon on, then we, yeah, we probably should throw. Uh, Fuck. Knuckle. The fucking... The original movie. Slapshot. Slapshot. Slapshot, yeah. Slapshot's fucking great. Oh, then Semi-Pro then with Will Ferrell has to go in there too because that was hilarious. Yeah. Well, and Ghostbusters 2 is definitely on my list off of what you picked. And so is Happy Gilmore, of course. Yeah. I did not have Caddyshack. I did not have Caddyshack, strangely enough. Caddyshack's one of my favorites, man. And what was your number three pick? Oh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, also forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, Uh, everybody has a one throwaway that they have their their guilty pleasure, and forgetting Sarah Marshall is mine. Um, Also, too, inside scoop. I was watching that whenever I got my heart broken. I was like, "This is so relatable." Oh my god! God. (laughs) So we have eight fantastic movies in front of us, and yes, I am saying that forgetting Sarah Marshall is a fantastic movie. We can fight about this later, but. We need to whittle it down to the top four inside the Joe Tutorium so we can let our listeners know what they need to put on their Netflix queue for next weekend. So, Adam, I'm going to go ahead and say, because you stole two of my picks, that you have the best list. 
So I will allow you to have. Let's just go with all four of mine. You have to pick one. No, I can't. I can't throw out both of your Bill Murray movies because Jesus Christ, he's a genius. Uh, well, the oh, shit. If I can have one without yes. argument, uh, without I'm argument, Tommy, I'm putting Tommy Boy up there. Okay. Because I can argue all the other ones till my face turns blue. That's accurate. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Uh, well. I would say then, too, I really want to then go on to my first round pick. I think Happy Gilmore is iconic enough. And I think if we're looking at the two golf movies I put up there, I think Happy Gilmore has more of a relatability to it. Um, I love Caddyshack, but I think Caddyshack has some jokes in it that don't hit as hard as the Adam Sandler film. So That's tough. I mean... Yeah, if you, I mean, if you want to throw it over Caddyshack, I don't know. It it's is the best it, Adam Sandler <laughs> for sure. And I would say too, I think out of these two, if I if I took a poll of ten people, I really think that people are going to know more what Happy Gilmore is than Caddyshack. Unfortunately, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that's what's happening. You know what I True. mean? Okay. Yeah, uh, I'll allow it. Yes. I mean, I don't know if it's better than Christmas Vacation or... It's not. It's not better than Christmas Vacation. It's not better than Christmas Vacation, but it's definitely better than Superbad. It's better than Superbad. So go ahead. All right, well, well, Christmas Vacation's going up. Yeah, and I'm not going to fight you on that because that was one of my... uh, that, That was one of my picks. And Big Lebowski's put, going up, so fuck, fuck the rest of your picks. Done. No, 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 no. That's that was yep. cute of you to try that. Fine seal delivered. Fine um, seal delivered. No, 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 no. I'd rather. You know what? I'd rather put forgetting Sarah Marshall up there than Big Lebowski. F- <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> Listen, You're fucking ass. It's nothing with Russell to... Brand belongs on. Nothing with Russell Brand belongs on the final Mount Rushmore understandable and that's why i'm not going to even try to go on there with some of the heavy hitters that we still have on this list i would never besmirch the awesomeness that's still left up here actually what i want to do is i want to go back and visit one of your picks if you allow me to do that sure so i'm going to lay on the sword of the dude and say that the big lebowski on this list is my favorite movie out of all of them. Just really pull it just really pulls the room together, man. It really pulls the room together. And this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. So <laughs> I believe that despite the fact that it's number four on this list, it's number one in our hearts that the big Lebowski has to be on the Mount Rushmore. So I'm asking you, Adam, may I please put your pick on the Mount Rushmore? I will allow it. I left it till the end because I figured you would. Yes. That was a strategy play. <laughs> You're playing chess while everyone's playing checkers. So we came with some hot, heavy hitters in the comedy scene whenever we were growing up and some of the things we've watched now, including Superbad and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. But we whittled it down to this top four. Tommy Boy, Happy Gilmore, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and The Big Lebowski. Talk about a weekend of movie watching. If you can get all four of those lined up, and get a chance to check them all out. That sounds like a good Saturday of beer drinking and laughing if you ever had one. 
So Adam, I concede to you, you have successfully smashed the shit out of me in this Mount Rushmore. You have broken the streak. Kudos to you. I did some hard research. (laughs) You did a really good job here. Uh, So Adam, we're done with that. So we got to move on to things that are more important. What's on tap and where can you find us? Yeah, so the the only things I have on tap are the Jason Sleeping Bag, uh, which is the Toasted Marshmallow IPA at 6%, and the Brutal Kitty Blonde uh, Green Tea Ale at 4.9%. And then everything else we're making is going to, everything we're making right now is going to the North Hills Home Brew Fest on August 29th at the, uh, in Cheswick, PA, at the Shriner Pavilion. Um, yes. So come on out. We are bringing Jojinator, which is our Honey Double IPA, and Tortuga and Fuego, which is our Smoked Poblano Pale Ale. So come check those out. we got some hoppy boys for you. Um, and have a good time. Uh, should be a blast. After that, September 19th, we will be doing the Home Brew and Chill event in Greensburg, PA, at the All Saints Brewing Company. Uh, November 6th, Drink the Cookie Table at Spirit in Lawrenceville. And then November 13th, First at Brew Box is presenting Hops with Heroes. And that venue is still to be determined. But uh, everything else, everything but the November 13th Hops for Heroes tickets are on sale now. Uh, go out there and get them because uh, these are going to all sell out, I imagine. Um, it's been a while uh, where people have not had Brewfest. And these are all pretty spread out location-wise. So if you're in any of those areas, come out and see us when we're when we're near you, we are bringing killer beer to all the events. So buy your tickets now. Absolutely. And what you can do too, is if you want to go on all of our social media and you can see that we have um, some calendars up there too, tells you when things are. And then too, um, you can follow all these events on each one of them is on Facebook. So if you search out the Facebook uh, event title for each one of them, you can find out where to go for tickets. Usually they're all uh, the event bright is usually the website for most of them. Usually, um, yeah. But yeah, but to be more specific, you want to definitely follow them on Facebook. And as we get closer to each one, we're definitely going to put out there where you can find tickets. But I can tell you right now, if you want to find out what's happening with Adam and the Brew Lab, all you have to do is follow him at Bash underscore Brew on all social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, and now Twitter. You can also follow him on, on Untapped. And if you want to find out what's happening here with the boys, just uh, follow us at WTB on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to send in all of your questions, comments, whatevs, and now no longer relationship emails. Please stop doing that shit. WTB at gmail.com. So we are on the road we're doing hot boy shit because it's hot boy summer we're getting to the end of it and we're trying to ring it out the right way so grab your tickets come see us we can't wait to see you but until next time till we see you again cheers richard what's happening